Welcome to the Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Mogelsang, and today's show is brought to you by newspapers.com. Please check out our show notes for more information about our sponsors, and please support our sponsors because they, in turn, support the show. Thanks so much for listening today. We have got another great guest, a returning guest, whom I'll introduce in just a moment. But quickly, if you missed any episodes, last week was our 661st episode. And we spoke to the wonderful TikTok stars, the old gays, Robert Reeves, Mick Peterson, Bill Lyons, and Jesse Martin. Two weeks ago, I spoke with author and Smithsonian associate Michael Brenner, who's written the new book, Hitler's Munich, which is available on Apple Books for pre-order. Wonderful stuff. Both episodes are great. If you missed these shows, you can go back and check them out, along with my entire back catalog of shows, all free to you there on our website at notold-better.com. If you leave a review, we'll read it at the end of each show, so please leave reviews on Apple Podcasts for us. Thank you so much. Today's interview is really amazing and so much fun, extremely insightful. I love talking to our guests. We, of course, are talking with Not Old Better Show returning guest and audience favorite Jenny Ashcraft, who is a genealogist, a researcher, a lover of the written word and music who will join us today and talk about family history, new technology, and resources and great headlines that are available at newspapers.com. Jenny Ashcraft loves uncovering stories and special unique nuggets about ancestors' family details. And as a matter of fact, Jenny mentions this wonderful piece of music today, Home Sweet Home. The title of the music is Home Sweet Home. It was played on the Civil War battlefields which, according to Jenny, both the North and the South listen to. This is an amazing story. We actually are listening to that music, Home Sweet Home, right now. So stay tuned to hear Jenny's great joy in helping others find their family nuggets of history, along with this wonderful story of where this music comes from. Jenny Ashcraft feels completely at home, immersed in the dusty archives, pouring through manuscripts, or finding hidden gems in the pages of historic newspapers. We'll be talking with Jenny about headlines that can lead to insights, details, and connections with family. Headlines and archives you can find at newspapers.com. Hi, it's Paul, and I mentioned that today's episode is sponsored by newspapers.com. Newspapers.com is the largest online newspaper archive. Newspapers.com makes it easier than ever to find your family story with more than half a billion digitized newspaper pages from the 1690s to today. Did your dad win a big game in high school? Did your great-grandma win a bake-off? Whether it's a familiar family story or a new discovery, the possibilities for what you might find on Newspapers.com are endless. The simple-to-use tools and search features make it easy to discover, save, and share the stories that connect you with the past. Search for obituaries, marriage announcements, birth announcements, photos, and more in papers from across the United States, the UK, Canada, and beyond, searching back three centuries. And for listeners of the Not Old Better Show, newspapers.com is offering 20% off a Publisher Extra subscription so you can start exploring today. Just use the code NOTOLDBETTER at checkout. That's code NOTOLDBETTER for 20% off 
the Publisher Extra. We'll have all of this in our show notes. Thanks, everybody. Hi, we're back, and I want to let you know we're going to talk to Jenny Ashcraft in just a moment, but I have spoken previously about the psychological benefits of genealogy, which are significant and plentiful. Among them are the basic needs like acceptance and friendship, ego needs like achievement and status and self-actualization. And I've spoken about this subject because I love genealogy, family, and history, and we've talked about these benefits that can come from the wonderful connections that genealogy can provide. These connections like a sense of accomplishment, these connections like a sense of self-worth and belonging to ancestors with whom we can participate to play a part in our own history. You know, they're meaningful things. All of this, as we age, is valuable, and it leads to acceptance of this whole notion of death and mortality. Older people who have paid attention to family health history are better able to contribute to their own well-being, and they're better prepared to affect the well-being of their descendants and children and grandchildren who love these family stories. So let's delay no more. Let's jump into our interview with Jenny Ashcraft. So please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast historian, writer, and genealogist, Jenny Ashcraft. Jenny Ashcraft, it is so nice to talk to you again. Good to see you. Good to hear from you, Paul. Yeah, well, welcome. (laughs) Good to catch up always. (laughs) I'm excited to talk to you. Our audience is always excited. Of course, you're a returning guest. You are just filled with wonderful advice and expertise. You've got these great updates. I wonder if we could just start with one of those questions. You know, I look back at some of the the interviews that we've done together, some of our previous shows, and I don't know that our audience has really ever heard you kind of tell how you got into this work and why you love it so much, because I know you do, and your passion is so inspiring. Thank you. I really, I just do love it so much. And to me, working on family history is a little bit like putting together a puzzle. I don't know if you're a puzzle guy, but I I love it. I I love putting together puzzles. Mm -hmm. And as you start piecing these these little bits and records and information and stories together, this you get a beautiful picture and an and an understanding of where you came from. And it it just fills me with such a gratitude. And it 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 brings a sense of connection and belonging. And I think that when we have a, a, a better understanding of the work and the sacrifice of those who have gone before us, it it just really changes us. It does. I I, I appreciate you t- you saying it because I I do think that's and I think as we as we get a little older, I I, I certainly at sixty five and many of my audience are feeling this way. Change is harder, but it's important. And I think as we we because I love I love reading about history because I can then kind of apply that to to my future. I I I love to read and and history is absolutely one of my favorite subjects and it helps me to kind of grow and to change. And our audience loves it too. And you and I have talked about some of my own family history stories and, and some of yours too. I love that story of your dad and his family records and being class president from his high school. That was all so great. And and you know uh, to our audience, if you, if you want to go back and hear that story, we're going to have links to that particular interview with with Jenny Ashcraft in our in our show notes today. But but I want to talk about some other history today, and I want to focus on some other news, particularly some of these major stories that they they make headlines 
And they're great stories that you can find in newspapers.com. And maybe how some of those stories might have impacted the lives of of our ancestors. I I searched on newspapers.com and I found this headline that I thought was just so great. I think it's relevant. Um, It's called The Great Solar Storm of 1859. You wrote about this. And I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit about it. Tell us about the headline. It also has to do with this Carrington event that I thought was really kind of fascinating. And some of these kind of startling elements of this story uh, are just really, I think, relevant today and in particular to our ancestors. But maybe tell us a little bit about the great solar storm of 1859 and the Carrington event. Well, I think this is such a fascinating story, Paul. It it, it all began um, in September of 1859, and there was an amateur astronomer named Richard Carrington, and he was conducting some observations from his private observatory outside of London. And as he's doing this, he notices there's these intense patches of white light erupting from the sun. And this, these eruptions went on for about five minutes, and then they dissipated. Well, little did he know, but the solar flares he had just witnessed were sending solar wind shockwaves. And these waves were carrying supercharged plasma, and they were racing towards the Earth. Well, hours later, these particles, they slam into the Earth's magnetic shield, and what resulted was the great solar storm. Um, scientists say that this event, which, as you said, is, is called the Carrington event, carried the equivalent of te- uh, the the energy of ten billion atomic bombs, and that's billion with a B. If you can, if you can even imagine. But yeah, it's 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 hard to believe. But let's set the stage, okay? This is 1859 in America, and let's think about what's happening. Um, there's there's 33 states in the country. Oregon was admitted in 1859 as the as the 33rd state. Um, much of the Western United States is still just a frontier. Um, the California Gold Rush was winding down, but mining was still big business in the West. Uh, the the Transcontinental Railroad it was still a decade away, and horse and buggy was was the main mode of transportation. Um, there's, there's of course, no electric lights. The Pony Express would not begin until the following year, and the Civil War was still a few years away. So if you're living in 1859 in the United States and you want to know what's happening in the news, you turn to your local newspaper. So that is the setting when this solar storm slammed into the Earth's magnetic shield. Well, it, it happened at night, and the first thing people noticed was that the sky suddenly filled with colorful auroras, and newspapers across the country reported on these crazy, strange things that were happening, and I, I kind of went through some of the archives on newspapers.com, and I've pulled up just a couple of excerpts that I, I kind of want to read you, if that's okay, about what some, what some of these what some of these papers were saying. Here's an Alabama paper, and it's called the Cahaba's Gazette. And they said, as soon as we looked out, we were astonished to see the town lighted up as if some large building was on fire. The pale green light reminded us of the power of death and the precursor of universal destruction. We did not know 
but that some great change in nature had taken place or was about to take place. Perhaps the earth had moved out of its orbit. Here's a second one. This is from a Memphis paper called The Daily Appeal. They wrote, the the heavens suddenly lit up as with half a dozen moons, and the cry of fire was heard on every street. The fire bells of the city were all rung, arousing the entire population. And there's more and more reports like this from all over the country. I know I read a California paper, and the reporter wrote that his he grabbed his compass trying to figure out what was going on and and the needle of his compass uh was was just jumping around he called it with violent agitation so can you just imagine seeing these things going on and not having the ability to just go click on the news and figure out what was going on i mean it had to have been scary right well I'm sure that our ancestors, this was like the talk of the town, not just in town. I mean, this is the talk of the world at this point, because this was a world event. Um, There were crazy things happening. I know that there was a a paper in Washington, D.C. called The Evening Star, and they reported on a strange atmospheric energy. And it said that the, the telegraphs, which was the main motive of communication, the telegraphs were going crazy. Um, The operators had been struggling all day to try to send or receive telegraphs, but there was so much electricity in the air that they they couldn't do it. And so they decided to do uh, conduct a little experiment and an operator in Washington and another operator in Philadelphia detached their battery conductors and found that they were still able to send and receive messages because these telegraph lines were so charged with electricity. Um, I know a a Pennsylvania paper wrote that one of its operators reached out and touched the little line, the telegraph line, and was shocked and thrown back across the room. Uh, I mean, they didn't know what was going on. I just, I can't even imagine, but just like they couldn't click on the paper, well, guess what? 163 years later, we can. We can click on the news and we can kind of see what they were experiencing. It's a little bit like traveling back through time. We get to kind of see what our ancestors experienced and what they were going through. I think it's really cool that you get these perspectives from kind of different locales, too. You know, headlines from Memphis newspapers, headlines from Pennsylvania newspapers. It really is this, you know, amazing kind of collection of um, – great writing about these events of our time. And one of the other kind of cool stories that I found was this uh, story about the Halifax explosion. Oh, yes. um, Yeah. Tell us about that one, too, because I thought that was a great one. And it's also got some context for, you know, ancestry and connections to families. It it really does. All of these headline stories, somebody's ancestors were were part of it, right? And and this one, I think, really impacted a lot of people. This was... um, in 1917, there was a French cargo ship, and it was loaded with explosives. So this is this is middle of World War One, and they are loaded with explosives to kind of go help with the Allied war effort. And it collided with a Norwegian vessel in the Halifax Harbor. Well, the the French ship that was loaded with explosives caught fire, and it exploded with such force that 
everything within about a half mile radius was just completely obliterated. And I don't, Paul, do you remember when we all watched that video of that explosion in Beirut in 2020? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, hard to miss some of that stuff. Right. Well, experts have done some um, calculations and they say that the Halifax explosion had nearly four times more explosive power than that Beirut explosion. And it killed 2,000 people. Wow. I, I, you, I can't even imagine the power, actually. Seeing that Beirut video, I just can't imagine this explosion. I know. Those buildings were just leveled. I remember that. It was just well, everywhere. I, I started to read, and this is in all the papers all around the world. I mean, newspapers has newspapers.com has papers from every state and from international papers. And there's papers that go back to 1690. And you can just put in keywords and, and dates and filters and just quickly within seconds find anything that you're looking for. So I started reading about this Halifax explosion in the papers. And I still started to realize that the a common injury among the survivors was blindness. Apparently, people, there was so many shards of glass that people got slivers of glass from shattered windows that just kind of propelled into their eyes and were blinded. Um, I, I remember reading this really touching little article from Canada, there was a mother bathing her baby uh, in the kitchen sink, and she's kind of gazing out the window as she's bathing her little baby. And and suddenly, without any warning, her windows exploded with such force that she was just instantly blinded by shards of glass. And I I read in the newspapers that nearly one thousand people were blinded that day. Well, this disaster led to advances in the treatment for eye injuries. And as a result, the creation of the Canadian National Institute for the Blind the following year. Well, when you think about those 1,000 people that are blinded and you think about the number of descendants that they have, that this is their story. This is their family history. And it's not just those that were injured. If you're um, if, if you have ancestors that were medical professionals that all just came in or, or relief efforts that came in or uh, construction workers that arrived in Halifax to rebuild, this is your family history. And, and that is, that's the connection I think from these big stories is it, it really comes back down to individuals. We are with Jenny Ashcraft. Jenny Ashcraft is a genealogist, a researcher. Jenny Ashcraft loves writing and, uh, all of these great stories, uncovering them about our ancestors. And it's always such a great joy for me to talk with you, Jenny Ashcraft, because you you really come across some of these amazing historical uh, just finds. I just I just think that's just incredible to learn. And you can you can learn more, of course, at newspapers.com. We're gonna put links up to where our audience can find out a bunch of additional information as well as resources and all of Jenny Ashcraft's work. But we've got Jenny Ashcraft today and we're talking about all these cool stories. What are you working on now that you have found that's really interesting you can you can share with us that might it might just teach us a little bit about ourselves and our, our family history connections. Well, you know, I love learning about Civil War history. I have a lot of ancestors that served in the Civil War. And um, my second and my th third great-grandfathers 
uh, enlisted together as a father and son and served in the Pennsylvania 78th Infantry. Well, they they fought together. I think my second great-grandfather, according, we have different birth records. So I'm not sure which is correct, but he was anywhere between 14 and 16 years old. And he and his father head off to battle. Um, they fought in the Battle of Stones River together. And about three weeks after the battle, I'm I'm going through the Pennsylvania, their hometown newspapers, and I see an account that is describing this battle that has just happened. So this is 1863, and they're talking about what's happened. And I read that my third great-grandfather had been severely wounded. Well, I started studying this battle. And what's kind of cool, I use the keyword in the newspapers.com search as Stones River. And I started reading all of these firsthand accounts. And it just like this, you know, I'm, I'm almost visualizing this picture of what happened. But I, I read that as these two armies are preparing for battle, that they at one point the night before the battle were so close to each other that they could hear each other's military band playing. And they started trading off. One band would play and then the other band would play. And at, at one point, the two opposing armies' bands joined together and all the soldiers sang the song, Home Sweet Home. Now, I don't even know what this song is, but I'm just visualizing this. This is, you know, New Year's Eve. It's cold, it's rainy, it's drizzly. And I know that because I looked at all the weather that it's talking about in the newspaper. But here's these, here's these, bands and all these soldiers uniting together in this song about home sweet song home sweet home and then the next morning these same soldiers face off in this terrific battle that resulted in 24,000 casualties and i think that's one of the amazing things about newspapers.com is when you explore these pages you you just get this front row seat to history and you're going to find stories that are tender or sad or funny or touching or amazing or just pretty much any emotion that you can imagine. And they create connection and they create understanding. Yeah. You know, I, I as I say, I, I do enjoy history. I, I love to read about it. But I think it's it's really important to go back and kind of recall some of these details because they're reminders uh, they 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 definitely produce these wonderful connections, but they're also reminders of of who we are and why we are who we are. And as you were talking about the weather details, I was just thinking, gosh, that that's an amazing element to come out. And just in my mind's eye, I'm I'm thinking about the weather. I'm also hearing that that song, "Home Sweet Home." I don't necessarily know it, but I just the strains of it, I imagine, were very powerful. Uh, while those soldiers were there fighting and um, all of that just comes, you know, comes out in, in such wonderful, rich, rich detail. You know, I wanted to talk to you for a second about something, something also serious, uh, you know, just as uh, we're talking about uh, battles. We just marked the 21st anniversary of 9-11. And I think in 50 years you know, our children, our grandchildren, our descendants, they, they might not know all of these details. They might not know what the weather was like in some of these areas, particularly in Pennsylvania, as those flights were, you know, going down and what it was like to be alive, you know, during 
And I think it's really cool that you're going to be able to go to newspapers.com. You're going to find some of that coverage. You're going to see some of those photos because newspapers.com has a lot of cool photos too. And you're going to learn from some of these stories, from some of these writers that we're going to that are that are telling these rich, detailed historical stories that I think tell us who we are. Certainly they do mark a period in time about who we are. What I, I totally agree. Yeah, I totally t- agree. Mm-hmm. Please. Oh, I, you know, 9-11, it was a shared experience mm-hmm. for all of us, mm-hmm. right? We, we'll, we'll never forget how we felt and where we were. And as we watched that news unfold, there was, you know, grief and fear and disbelief. And we just couldn't believe it. But th- this was kind of a life-changing event for all of us. Well, I think what's amazing to me about historical newspapers is that our ancestors all experienced major life-changing events as well. Their their own, I I, I don't want to make light of it by calling it their own 9-11, but they had major events. And we can go on newspapers.com right now and read about those events and how they changed their lives. I know I have ancestors that were impacted by the Johnstown flood in Pennsylvania, which just, it just wiped out entire families and towns just washed away. Um, I have ancestors that I, I was studying one family and realized that in one week's time, there were different little newspaper announcements each day. They lost all of their children to a diphtheria outbreak. I mean, these are tragedies, but through newspapers, I get to learn the details and see how these major historical events impacted my family from back then, just as we'll do someday for Mm 9-11. That's amazing. Yeah, I guess... I, I guess I didn't realize you had connections into that Johnstown flood because that's not that's not too too far away from where where we live and that you know that was just considered the great flood and your ancestors had to deal with it just as our ancestors are going to have to you know learn from nine eleven and um, and I think that'll be important an important historical moment to always kind of think about what well, we're celebrating as of today you and I are talking. Uh, on the the 15th of September. And and today is the start of Hispanic Heritage Month. And there's some great history about uh, the Hispanic uh, population. Some papers didn't give it quite the attention, perhaps, but I found one individual that I thought I might get you to, I might prompt you to talk a little bit about. His name was Manuel Perez, and he fought in World War II. And I think these these stories of service uh, are particularly inspiring. And, and one, given today's date of Hispanic Heritage Month, that this Hispanic soldier might be inspiring to others, particularly in our audience. So maybe tell us a little bit about Manuel Perez. Sure. Well, I, I too am inspired by the service of these Hispanic soldiers during the war. And mm-hmm. I just appreciate this, this month's time where we have to really focus and reflect on so many contributions made by the Latino community to our society. Well, when World War II started, more than half a million Latinos enlisted to serve. And unlike Black soldiers, they did not serve in segregated units. There's there's one exception to that, and it's a unit that was out of Puerto Rico. But most of these Latinos were integrated into other units. So you might have units that have um, th- that are 
It's from a geographical area where there were a lot of Latinos living. And so they have a higher concentration, but they were still integrated units. Um, well, so many of these soldiers were fluent in Spanish. And this, this proved invaluable for those that were fighting in the Philippines. Well, one of these young soldiers was a, a young man named Manuel Perez Jr., and he grew up in Oklahoma. He was the son of immigrant parents from Mexico. And when the war broke out, he was one of those half a million Latinos that rushed down to enlist. And he ended up serving in the U.S. Army 11th Airborne Division and the 511th Parachute Regiment. Well, on February 13, 1945, it was during um, the Battle of Luzon. He uh, and his company were engaged in just this fierce fighting with some Japanese troops that were fighting in fortified pillboxes. And um, Perez single-handedly killed 18 enemy soldiers, and the final four were in hand-to-hand -hand combat. He just worked his way into these pillbox and allowed his company to ad advance. He was, he was an absolute hero. And he was awarded the Medal of Honor, which, as you know, is our nation's highest honor for bravery in combat. And just one month after that battle, which earned him his Medal of Honor, he was killed by a sniper's bullet in the Philippines. And so that medal was presented uh, to his mm -hmm. father posthumously after his death. That is a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that, too. In, in honor of Hispanic Heritage Month, we're going to put links up to where our audience can find out more about um, Manuel Perez Jr., his Medal of Honor, all of these great stories that Jenny Ashcraft's been sharing with us. Jenny Ashcraft, it's so good to talk to you. You're just obviously a favorite of our audience, a favorite of mine. I always enjoy talking to you, but thanks for your time and for these great historical stories of inspiration and, and heroes. Uh, just good, good stuff. Find out all of this information in our show notes today with links to newspapers.com and to Jenny Ashcraft and all she does. But thanks, Jenny. Good to talk to you. Have a great rest of your day and um, be well. It's great to talk to you, Paul. Thank you so much for the invitation. It was a pleasure to be here. My thanks to writer, historian, genealogy expert, returning guest, and audience favorite Jenny Ashcraft for her time, expertise, and thoughtful preparation in joining me today. You know, I mentioned that I would read a review. This one comes from just this week. It's from Herbert R. Cook. Thanks, Herbert R. Cook. But Herbert R. Cook says, thanks a lot for giving such beautiful episodes every time. We'll wait for the new episode, and these episodes make my heart happier. Boy. That says a lot. Hey, leave a review. I will read it for you again. You will find much more in the way of links, resources, all of these reviews, and information on our website. And check out newspapers.com. My thanks, as always, to newspapers.com. My thanks, as always, to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. Of course, my thanks to you, our wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Please be well and be safe. I mentioned this a lot recently because I want us all to be safe from assault weapons. We don't need them. Only the military does. Assault weapons are killing our children and grandchildren in the very place they learn. Schools. Let's do better. Let's talk about better. And that includes talking about how to eliminate assault weapons and the fear they strike 
amongst all of us. Please keep your emails coming to me about this subject. I know you're eager to learn more. I am too. So let's talk about it here on the Not Old Better Show. Let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week. 